moment. Ryan will be coming up. Uh, I, I know uh, it's so good to see all of you again this this morning. Um, a lot of familiar faces, and many of you, you know, we've got we do have a smaller church, and today's even kind of lightish for for us for sure. So some people stand out. Uh, pretty clearly. One of them stands six foot six inches tall. And, and Drew here, we've been praying for Drew for quite a while. Um, he's a, a bit of a poster child. Uh, he says historically for, hey, anything you can get, give it to me. And he's really had a rough go of it. So I just wanted to acknowledge your presence here as a, as, as a story of grace, because it's been a rough ride for him. Those of you who know, I, I won't detail everything that he's been through, but let's just say it's no small miracle that he is sitting here right now this morning enjoying worship with us too. So is Ryan. Ryan's uh, a friend of ours, Redeemer, no stranger uh, uh, to, to filling our pulpit, as it were, and bringing God's word to us. And uh, Ryan is, uh, has been here for a handful of years now in the Cincinnati area uh, after graduating from seminary, grew up in Fairfield. But I've really considered Ryan a, a friend, uh, not just on sort of a colleague sort of ministry level too. Ryan is somebody who I'll go to from time to time to ask his opinion of something, and uh, and he'll follow up if he knows my family's going through a difficult time with prayer, and hopefully he feels I've done the same with him, as they've had some rough goes of it too, uh, in in terms of family and health, and and seen some hard hard things happen. Um, uh, but continuing to believe that, that God is at work in, in the midst of it. Now, Ryan gets a breather with a sabbatical up, upcoming, which is great. And I, I've asked him from time to time, please come and give God's word to us. He's, uh, I think, has a great command of God's word and is a blessing to us and to me. And it's also nice to get a break every now and then, too. So I'm, I'm grateful that Ryan can come and share God's, God's word with us. And uh, I'm thankful, Ryan, again, that you're able to be here. We do serve on the advisory board together with Mosaic's Cincy Network. Um, so he's been, that's another area we're often kind of dialoguing on what's happening in our city with churches that have similar visions to, to Redeemer. So I've appreciated his wisdom in that arena as well. So... Ryan, we're grateful that you can come and bring God's word to us this morning. Welcome, Ryan Zane. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's always been great to be here. And, you know, I've been coming up here since I came to Cincinnati for ministry and first started at that Seventh day Adventist church. And I'm, I always say this I'm grateful that when I come to preach here now, I don't have angels pouring blood over my head. <laughs> That's, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> well, good morning. My name is Ryan Zhang again, uh, pastor at New City, one of your sister churches here. And our senior pastor, Josh, used to work with Mark and great friends. So through that, we, you know, I get to know Mark quite a bit. And it's always been great to be here to worship with you all. And thank you for Mark, all your years of support and Jill. Um, before I go on sabbatical, it's always good to look back and what's happened in the last six, seven years of our lives, and it's been great to have friends along the way, not just in New City where I work, but also around in the city and in our denomination. Definitely Mark and Jill are pillars of that ministry. And I feel extra special to be here this morning because, you know, this is Advent, and was usually a little bit more intimate time of, you know, churches. So thank you for inviting me, Mark, and I feel like it makes me really feel like I'm part of this church family. So I see that you guys have been going through the beginning of Luke, 
looking at Christmas through Mary's perspective. And naturally, being the mom, Mary plays a huge role in the birth of Jesus. Right? You know, today, Mark invited me to talk about Luke chapter 2. And the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2 records the birth of Jesus. Since I know that Mark will probably be talking about that more on Christmas Eve, I won't steal his thunder here. It may be more beneficial for you to listen to him about that than for me. But you may notice that after the birth of Jesus, Mary kind of recedes in the background. In Luke's gospel, you know, things would continue to happen, but Mary would no longer play this. She's no longer the center character. And that makes a lot of sense because certainly you know, the gospel is about Jesus. But if you see that Mary is mentioned at least a couple times more, from here, and they all say something similar along the line of what we see in verse 19 here today. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So Mary treasured these things. Being the mother of Jesus, Mary got a first glimpse of Jesus' earthly life. It would be amazing to hear what Mary thinks about all these things, wouldn't it? But in a certain sense, we do have Mary's perspective. Because if you think about, think about this for a second, how would Luke know about all these things that happened at the beginning of Jesus' life? You know, and, and part of the process, if you look back at the beginning of Luke's gospel, he says that he is writing an orderly account of Jesus' life. And part of the process is studying all the things that's been written and learning from those, learning from those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses. So then it's natural to imagine that Luke knew about all these stories because Mary was one of those early eyewitnesses from the beginning. She told him about what she saw and what she pondered about. So today, let's ponder a little bit with Mary together. Let's ponder what happened to this little family right after Jesus was born. And this morning in New City, we have a kids' choir singing some Christmas hymns and that's why I'm wearing a bow tie because my son is wearing a bow tie that matches this. And, you know, I don't do this all the time. But anyhow, so they've been practicing these songs since November. And at some point in the middle of the worship service, we would, you know, we'll be like singing or we'll be listening to sermon and we'll be here, kids bouting from downstairs. Gloria in excelsis Deo, you know, which means glory to God in the highest. And it's from the hymn, Angels We Have Heard on High. And that's from, that line is from our story today. And if you're familiar with the Christmas classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas, you may be familiar with the story. And if you're not familiar with the story, let me read this from the beginning of our passage. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And I don't have my trusty blanket with me, so you just have to imagine me talking like, like Linus. All right? In the same region... There were shepherds out in the field. I'm re reading from the ESV, by the way. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Now, for those of you familiar with that cartoon, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, about Charlie Brown and his friends preparing for their school Christmas plate, Christmas play. And in the Christmas play, there are many important roles, right? Mary and Joseph, the angel, maybe the wise men. And usually, playing the shepherd is reserved for those kids who didn't get picked for those major roles. It's a kid even complained in the cartoon. Every Christmas is the same. I always end up playing the shepherd. <laughs> no, it's a role for the extras. Probably just a little bit better than playing the animals, right? <laughs> And that's not too far from the truth in ancient Israel as well. The shepherds were outcasts. They were looked down upon in society just a little bit better than the animals. And just out of curiosity, how many of you played shepherds in your Christmas play growing up? All right, I see a couple of hands. All right, a few. Wow. All right, you're blessed, by the way, extra blessed. So today, my my goal is pretty simple. I want to convince you that everyone. She wanted to play the part of the shepherd, because it's to the shepherd that the good news was first proclaimed. The shepherds are the first to receive the good news and the first to sing the good news. So, first good news proclaimed to the shepherds. Now, many of you, maybe you could relate to this. I just visited a couple of new twins in the hospital this Friday, and your friends. How do you announce the birth of your child? Now, some of you probably had the announcements well thought out weeks ahead. You know, you know exactly what social media platform you're going to post on, what you're going to say. Now, imagine if you're God, and you were about to announce the birth of your son, God's son, the incarnate God in the world, with all the social media and news outlets and broadcasting options at your disposal, and you could announce it to anybody anywhere in the world throughout history. What will you do? Here's what God did. He went to a remote countryside in the Middle East and told the news to a group of shepherds.、And、this is Jesus' first birth announcement, and God announced it to the shepherds. The shepherds were not important people by any stretch, not the type of people you want to announce the most important event in history. Here's what Phil Phil Ryken. Said about the shepherds, "Quote because because they lived out in the fields, they were unable to keep the ceremonial law, and thus they were treated as unclean. They were also regarded as liars and thieves, probably because they were, the sheep often mixed together, and they had to fight over which sheep belonged to whom, which is why their testimony was inadmissible in court of law, and shepherds were despised." With exceptions of lepers, they were low, they were the lowest class of men in his, in Israel. But somehow, the shepherds were the first people who came to be greeted to came to greet the baby Jesus. Now, if I were Mary, I would have been a little bit disappointed. <laughs> Now, some of you have mothers. You you know, after you've given birth to a child, you deserve to be visited by the king. Not a bunch of stinking shepherds. 
But perhaps years later, Mary would come to think about this and understand the significance of these stinky visitors. God seemed to have a special place in His heart for shepherds. The two most important figures in the Old Testament were shepherds, Moses and David. The God is compared to a shepherd in Psalm 23. Jesus refers to Himself as the Good Shepherd. And shepherds were the first group of people God chose to reveal this good news. God loves the humble and lowly. And in this evening, while everyone is still asleep, the shepherds were still working outside in the field. And the angel appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angels had to assume them, fear not. Now notice the angel had to say the same thing to Zechariah, to Mary early in the Luke's gospel. Whether it was to a priest in the temple, to unmarried young maid, or to a group of shepherds, the angel had to tell them, don't be afraid. Fear not. Why were they so afraid? It was because they get it. If you live in the Old Testament world, like these shepherds, you hear the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord, you can only have one reaction. And that would be, oh no. Oh no. Because no human being could come in contact with the glory of God in the Old Testament and still survive. God is too holy for any of us. There's an inherent animosity between the holy God and sinful human beings. These two things cannot coexist. That's why God always had to be shielded from the people. Even Moses had to hide from the full presence of God in a rock. And the shepherds get it. Way more than any of us would. We may think of God showing up and, and ourselves is mostly good and we may be a little bit spiritual and that's okay and God shows up, we would be friendly with Him and we could just come up and say, you know, what's up? How are you doing? That's not true according to the Bible. The shepherds showed us what our real reactions will be. But their fear also showed the meaning of Christmas. If God is just cool with everybody and doesn't care about our sins, then there's no need for Christmas. No need for the cross. No need for good news. That's why the, sh the shepherds' fear is met with the tremendous news. And every word from the angels' announcements packed with meaning. So let me unpack this slowly. The angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Literally, the angels were saying, Behold, I'm gospeling you. I'm gospeling you news of great joy. The word gospel was not a Christian term. It was actually a word the angels and the Christians borrowed from the Roman world. Here's an example of how the word gospel was used around that time. All right. Since providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our, in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excel even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors and not even leaving to prosperity any hopes of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good tidings for the world, that came by reason of him, blah, 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 blah. 
Now, that's how the word gospel was typically used in the Roman Empire to celebrate the birth or the coronation of an emperor. And of course, the name Caesar Augustus is mentioned at the top of this chapter in Luke. He is supposed to be the Savior. But under his reign in the remote village of Bethlehem, another king is born. And you may notice some similarity between Augustus' birthday announcement, birthday celebration, and Jesus' birth announcement. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There's another Savior, another Lord. This is a competing gospel to Rome, a competing claim to power. Now, there's a lot of debates about how politicals how political Christians should be, right? But in a sense, the Christian faith is always political in its core. Not so much politics between Democrats or Republicans, but between God and man. Where's your true allegiance? Who's your true savior? Where is your citizenship? This allegiance to the king in the palace, in the White House, or is your allegiance to the king in the manger, on the cross. You know, I, I, I work sometimes with the Chinese church and some of the house churches in China, and, and a lot of times we think that they're persecuted because they're Christians, and the Chinese government is atheist, so they, they persecute them because they believe in God. And that's actually not true. Because in China, the most important thing they care about is not so much what you believe, but who's your Lord. That's why you see in, you know, Shaolin, Buddhist temple, they were raising the Chinese flags for like first time in 1,500 years because it's a sign to show the government, we submit to you. We raise your flag. We sing your national anthem. But in the Christian church, that's something they refuse to do, that we submit to Jesus as Lord, not you, not the government. And the angel said, this is good news, of good news of great joys to all the people. All the people here may sound like people from all over the world. But here's actually a specific reference to people of Israel, the people of God. and invokes the prophecy of Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 verse 9. Go on high, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the city of Judah, Behold your God. The angel's announcements of fulfillment of years and years of waiting. There's a deliverance, a savior in Israel. And this is not just personal to the shepherds, because the angel says, For unto you is born this day. Now, if you're living in the Old Testament world, or if you've been to church in the Christmas season, what do these words remind you of? You probably think of Isaiah again, right? Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. The Christ is born as a fulfillment to years and years of waiting. And Christ is born for you. And we don't say that about any other babies. Now any family here, any, anyone here with just a newborn baby? Who has the newest baby 
in this congregation? Somebody? Okay. Well, anyhow, I'm sure he or she may have brought great joy to that family or to this church, but he or she is not born for you, right? If someday she becomes president of the United States, she's still not born for you. But Christ is born for you. There's almost a disregard to individual circumstances, individual needs. Christ is born for you, that itself. That's great news regardless of what darkness you're going through. Not too many of us. Now, December is usually a really hard month, as you know, Joe said. It's a busy month. It's dark outside. It's cold. We're tired at the end of the year. Like this year, too, you know, a lot of war, uncertainties, natural disasters. Still a lot to do before we can relax for the holidays. And even if we want to take a few breaks from the holidays, the hard things in our lives don't take a break for holidays. But Christ is born unto us. And regardless what crisis we are in, Christ is the Savior. He's fully, he could fully lift the darkness of the world. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's good news. But can we receive it? Now, many of us would no doubt be, welcome a Savior. But will you receive Christ the Lord? Because we cannot have one without the other. Many of you know the word Christ is not just a last name. It is a Greek word for the, for the title Messiah, the anointed one. And many people were anointed in the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings. But everyone in the Old Testament knew that there would be the anointed one, the Messiah, the true prophet, the true king, the true priest. And he will be the savior of his people. And he is not just Christ, but Christ the Lord. The Lord is another Old Testament name for God. The Savior, this Messiah, will be God Himself. If you want to really understand who Christ the Lord is, look at Psalm number two. The Psalm says, The kings of this world, the kings of this earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. Against the Lord and against Christ. And how does God respond? He who sits in heavens laugh. And the Lord holds them in derision, that he will, break, he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I will set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the, the, ends of the earth your possession. That's who Christ the Lord is supposed to be. He has authority to crush all the nations. He has authority over your lives. Christ has power over you. Will you welcome such authority in your life? And maybe not. Because there's no freedom in that. But listen, you may want to reject a God who has authority over you. But that means you will also reject a Savior who can save you from darkness. You may not want a Savior who has this type of power over you, but you actually need a Savior who has this type of power. Otherwise, how can He defeat the darkness of the world? How can He bring hope to the nations? And here's the good news. God did not use His power against you, at least not yet. 
And how do we know? The angel says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. There may be a few babies wrapped in swaddling clothes in Bethlehem that night, but there was only one baby lying in a manger. And that baby was Christ the Lord. What an odd contradiction. The kings are not supposed to be born in a manger. Important birth announcements are not supposed to be proclaimed to the shepherds. But here we are. The Christ of Psalm 2 is lying in a manger. And the shepherds receive the good news. And to this a whole host of angels appeared and sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is a new type of glory that the angels have not seen before, that God would descend from heaven into the heavenly realm, and not just to a palace, but to a manger. You know, what a distance. What heights of love, what depth of peace. The prophets talked about this salvation for, for centuries, and the angels longed to see this mystery, and this is what it looks like. Why? To bring you peace. To bring peace to God's people with whom he is pleased. If God comes in his full holiness and glory, just like in Psalm 2, we'll be smoked. So God came as a baby in a manger. He became accessible. He is saved to us. Even Mary could hold him. You can't approach Joe Biden without getting tackled. But you can approach Jesus. Even stinky shepherds could just go see him and tell you what kind of peace Jesus brings. This is perhaps the most common greetings on Christmas cards, isn't it? Peace on earth. But what is this peace? What kind of peace do you seek in Jesus? Many people expect him to bring them world peace, to end all wars. Many people expect him to give them political peace to help them in their political cause over their enemies. Many people expect him to give them intellectual or emotional peace, to give them enlightenment and comfort. If that describes you, how is your joy level this Christmas present, this Christmas? No. There was a time in Jesus' life when he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and he was riding on a donkey like a king. And the people shouted, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. That's what the angels sang in the beginning. They thought they were getting the political and military peace that they were waiting for. But when they realized that Jesus was not the type of Savior that they wanted, they shouted, away with him. Crucified him. What kind of peace do you seek in Jesus? If it's just emotional or political or world peace that you're looking for, then sooner or later you will also shout away with him. Because what you're really looking for is a Savior that goes from the manger to the palace, a manger to the White House, manger to the universities. But Jesus is a Savior who goes from the manger to the cross. This type of Savior will bring you no joy unless you are like the shepherds who recognize that you need peace with God 
who created you. And you recognize that you could not lift a finger to make things right with God on your own. Then Jesus is the Savior that you need. He came to die for your sins so that you can have peace with God. Do you recognize that you need this type of peace in your life? Do you recognize that you need a Savior that goes from the manger to the cross? And the good news is proclaimed to us, but it takes a particular type of heart to receive the good news. It's not for the proud. It's not for the self-righteous. Not for the high and important, but it's for the lowly, like the shepherds. The extras in the world, the people that feel powerless and hopeless against the darkness of the world and the darkness in their hearts. And that's why this good news is proclaimed to the shepherds first, because it's for people like them. Jesus understands what it's like to be lowly. Jesus died for the lowly. There's great joy in this season, not because it adds to our delight, it adds to all these presents and Christmas lights, but it comes to our darkness. If angel comes to you today with this good news, will it bring you great joy? You know, it's the holiday season, and that means my Netflix is filled with cheesy Christmas rom-coms, <laughs> right? And here's one thing I've noticed about romantic comedies, and especially romantic comedies in America. They just tell one story, okay? Someone spends two hours or an hour and a half chasing after the wrong girl or guy only to realize in the last 15 minutes in the movie that the love that they're looking for is right in front of them in another person. And that's it. I would gladly take your recommendation on any other storyline, but that's basically what romantic comedy is about. And do you know why it's so popular? Because that's our human story. We spend so much of our lives looking for the wrong kind of peace, only to realize that peace with God is what we truly need. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? If you're not able to receive this type of peace yet, and there's one more thing we can learn from the shepherds. Now, after hearing the angel's message, the shepherds didn't just, they didn't know what to do either. But they didn't ignore it. They went to Bethlehem and see. And that's the invitation that's extended to everyone. Come and see. Now, come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore and bend the knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Come see what Christ has done for you, what his life is about, what he was like, and what kind of peace he brings to your life. Come worship at your church. Join a small group. And I pray that as we recognize that Jesus is the Savior that we all need along, we need it all along, we can join with the shepherds. At the end of the story, at verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as he had been told them. The first the angels glorified God and now the shepherds joined in. The first they heard the good news, now they became reporters of the good news. If you continue to read in the Gospel of Luke, you will see that many people also went away glorifying God after they encountered Jesus. There was the shepherds in Luke 2. There's a man who was, who was lame, family of a widow 
who just lost her son, a woman who was handicapped, a leper, a blind man, a Roman centurion. All of them were outcasts in the society, but they were transformed by Jesus, and they joined the angel songs. If you have Spotify, at the end of the year. Spotify would compile all my data and publish my favorite songs and artists of the year and what I've been listening to the most. Some of you know what I'm talking about, and and I realized that these lists could say quite a bit about people, about who you are, the kind of emotions that dominate their lives, what music we depend on the most, what is in our hearts, even who is in our who is in our families. For example, this is our list. You know, C-pop. C pop stands for Canto Pop, so you can see that I'm Chinese, and we have little kids. <laughs> Now, if what if today, after your encounter with Jesus, you join the shepherds in the angel song, Gloria in excelsis Deo, Glory to God in the highest. And what if that becomes the song of all the songs, the song of your heart for the rest of your life, and when God sees you at your year-end review. That's the song that you sing the most, that he hears about the most. What would that say about you? So let's pray together.